Hello, What the Foxers. This is Amber Ross, one of your co-hosts of What the Fox podcast, just popping in with a quick reminder before today's episode. Um, It is summertime, and this summer, Lindsay and I are doing something a little different. We are bringing back some of the most popular, some of the most well-loved, some of the most influential episodes from previous seasons, um, and just sharing those with you again for some new insights, some new opportunities, and for the folks who weren't with us at that period of time. So stick around, hang in there. Today's episode um, is going to be amazing. And we wanted to quickly remind you that we are so very grateful for our sponsor, uh, Therapy Appointment. Therapy Appointment is built for therapists by therapists and is the practical tool for starting, growing, and managing your practice. So check them out. um, And just thank you so much for being here with us this summer. And we hope you enjoy. Don't take time to look at it through other people's eyes. Take some time and reflect on what you believe in your soul. Because that is the key to life. You got to let the negativity go. Hello and welcome back to the What the Fox podcast with your hosts, Lindsay Fox and Amber Ross. This month, we have an exciting focus for you about um, improvising, adapting, and overcoming, and just how we weave that into our daily lives. And we've got an exciting opportunity today to hear from Mitch Summers on his journey. Um, And I'd love to know, Lindsay, I have all the questions, of course, but first, can you do me a favor and introduce Mitch to everybody so that we can get a little more background? Why, yes, I can, Amber. So Mitch happens to be a storyteller and not just a storyteller, but he is a video creator, a filmmaker, a traveler, and he's been doing this for quite some time, which we will definitely explore more in a bit. Um, So with that being said, he is on a mission to share the best stories in the world. And arguably, he has. He has more than 500 million views online. And incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So and then also more than a million followers online, which is just absolutely outstanding. Pretty impressive, Mitch. It is. It says a lot about the content that you're sharing and your ability to tell stories. So I'm curious. I'd like to hear Mitch's story of how you met Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. well, Well, first of all, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you Hello so and welcome. We like to put people right on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want the like the, my memory of the whole Santa story? Yes. Oh Absolutely. My yes. Yes, okay. please. So, so like this is the vivid memory. We m- might have had class together or something, but this is what stands out. So I. I love that you're telling this. So SantaCon. If you don't know what it is, maybe Google it. But uh, SantaCon is this thing where people dress up like Santas and not necessarily the nicest kind. So you get together. It's a fun day of mayhem where you give out candy, right? Is that what we did? This is a long time candy, ago. Candy, shots, lots of bar hopping. Lots of alcohol. Um, <laughs> this and, sounds like so much fun. So, yeah, it, it was. So we, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I remember seeing we ran into each other. At, at SantaCon, we're like, well, hello. And we hang out, we drink a lot and we're, we're going around. <laughs> we do not know where we're going to go. Yes. Except we're going to almost like be dirty Santas and like, I don't know, say, yep. I don't know the mission. Do, do we say things, mean things to people, but then give them candy or something it, like yeah. jokingly? I don't know. There was a uh, lot of crass humor going on. And I remember oh we, were, we got on like a bus or somewhere. I, we, do you remember that? I we don't we, I actually remember at least my memory, maybe it's making the memory even tall, grander than it is, but we were in the back of a, I was in the back of a pickup truck, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Down the highway, dressed as a Santa, and very intoxicated, and then going towards, uh, well, we ended up not knowing where we we're going, but we arrived at a strip club. Yes, we did. We so sure did. Very first strip club experience and uh yeah and i was with you <laughs> so, what a yeah, pleasure we were, true honor did, like what's our memory well Lindsay and i went to the strip club together. we went to a strip club together and i it was love just... that that is that is amazing <laughs> so, it's a true it story and uh fun 
but and even the strippers were dressed up i remember a pink furry little stripper girl <laughs> she yeah it was it was fun we had a blast though and um that's how i met mitch <laughs> that's amazing i love it and i'm like it sounds like this was many years ago right like it was not it at least has not been in the last four years five years Definitely um not like early or late like, like 20 2008 9 maybe yeah. i'm guessing somewhere yeah. in that it was a time. while back when we you know were maybe maybe of age to drink and just kind of dabbling we both went to the same school for undergrad so we had mutual yeah. friends and he wasn't a complete stranger on the street you know well, okay like but other people, like that but... wouldn't even surprise me because you just you meet the most astounding people and they're just like pulled into your gravitational force and you run with it so this, you are right and in all fairness <laughs> this is actually mitch's life the same exact thing happens with yeah. him and he has learned frankly how to create an entire life around it so it's pretty cool yeah I love that's it. just one part of journey but um, one tiny piece so the next logical question then is like many years have passed have you guys stayed in contact the whole time or did you like part ways and then find each other again Lindsay correct me if I'm wrong but I, I would say you know we were connected on Facebook we were friends through yeah. you know social media but as far as like hanging out I don't feel like we hung out very much and if no. we did, it was very sparse but then, you know, life happens, we move, I traveled the world, which we'll get into. And then now I'm sort of back, but, you know, back in my home base. Right. Um, so Mitch, I really can only, I can think of maybe two key periods of time that I've talked to you pretty much since mm -hmm. SantaCon. Um, okay. Yes, sure, the online chit chat or what have you. But uh, the first time thereafter, was when I remember you had your car put up for sale online and I knew this car was like your baby. It was your mm. baby. Like it, at least that's how it sounded in the description. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's selling this car. What's going on? And I reached out to him, which I don't want to get, I don't want to like throw off the timeline of events too much, but I did reach out to him because I saw this car posted online and I was like, what's the deal? Are you moving? What's happening? And Mitch said, I'm going to pivot. I've had a, I've had a realization. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go move to the Philippines and I'm going to start doing this thing. And I was That's like, a hell of a plot twist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? Yeah, mine like the opposite side of the world 12 hour times a different yeah <laughs> so i was like oh wow didn't didn't know you had it in you mitch like this was just a really it seemed very random to me because i wasn't mm. a part of his regular life and didn't know if this was something he had planned and stuff so we'll get into all of that but then um we reconnected in so that was what year was that probably 2017 I guess that you were selling yeah. your car and moving and all that. So, yep, that was, that was then. And then, then during the pandemic, we crossed paths again because he needed an N95 mask for, um, his, the, the man with the iron lung show or show. What, what should I call it? Video. Thank video. you. So the video. That was the only way he would agree to let me film is wear that because as we, mm. you know, he's a polio survivor. He's 70 yeah. something years old, has lived his life in this metal tube that breathes for him and he's paralyzed from the neck down. So this could potentially, like he doesn't want to die from COVID. He's made it this yeah. far. Right. So he agreed to allow me to film if I were was tested and I wore the mask. And so I just reached out on Facebook and said, hey, yeah. Anyone have one? Sure, I've got a bunch. Like, yeah, cool. I didn't want to buy a case of them. They're very sure. expensive. Just figure yeah. out. Especially at that time during the pandemic, too, because it, you know, they were hard they to find. Worked. They were hard to find, or healthcare workers really needed them, that sort of thing. But uh, to our listeners, highly recommend watching that video uh, that Mitch has about this man because it's an incredible story, uh, hands down. Uh, and it actually ended up getting a lot of press, by the way, like it was like even long after you had put out the video, I remember, was it New York Post or something had it in a Post, Smithsonian and a bunch of the others just found it and, and sort of told mm -hmm. that story because it 
brought it back to life. He's been covered a lot throughout his life because it's an incredible story of perseverance, but also sadness because yeah. of your entire life and an iron lung, but then it's, going on to go to school and write a book and et cetera. I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's sad and incredible all at the same time. And so they, mm-hmm. they ran the story and gave it a lot of coverage. Yeah. You, you uh, honestly felt like the way that you covered it was very well done. It was beautifully articulated and really showcasing something that on the surface you can look at and say like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Look at that. But you turned it into something that was um, very enjoyable to watch and taught, I would argue, a whole new generation (laughs) about polio and the existence of polio and what that whole time was like. And sort of as a sidebar, as a storyteller, I think, I mean, I don't front and say I'm an expert in any subject. I literally have to, when I find a story, have to quickly become the best expert I can Mm -hmm. in a short amount of time and then tell it in a simple but yet not boring way. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because I love learning new things. So yeah. The shoe fits myself (laughs) until prior to making it, you know, which is, uh, I would love to know, um, maybe we'll, we'll come back to this, but I would love to know or learn how you choose your people, you know, so listen to the very end and you'll find out, let's get (laughs) at the very end. We're going to reveal all the gold nuggets. So if you're wanting to be a content (laughs) creator, a better storyteller, how to go viral, We'll circle back after the story and we banter yeah. on a little bit. So. We need you here more often, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to okay. backtrack over yeah. to like 2003, 2004 time frame of your life. Okay. Because this is a less known time of your life. And with you being the storyteller, you're so used to telling other people's stories. And I know this kind of flips flips the script a little bit for you because we're we're kind of poking and prying a little bit today on who is Mitch Summers and how did you get to where you are today? Particularly when we are thinking about this theme of improvising, adapting and overcoming, uh, where much many of our episodes this month has uh, it's had that focus. So when we when we think about where you are today, it looks like, wow, you are living the all-American dream. Uh, so it kind of brings us back to how did you how did you get there? Where did it all start? And if you are comfortable kind of getting into this, I'd like Absolutely. for you to share with, yes, with, with our audience, what life was like, if you could paint a picture of what life looked like for you in 2003 at that time. Oh. Well, okay, okay, deep sigh. So this is this is uh, um, not the the best part of my life. Like this this period was pretty dark, uh, but let's let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. Um, in two thousand three, I graduated from high school. So now you know how old I am. So in 2003, I graduated and right around that time, I would say, like, let me backtrack in the late 2000s. I was partying. I was rebelling. I was experimenting with drugs. Um, I, I don't know, like on the spectrum of how much I like, was I relative to your average teenager? Mm. But when I moved out, I went to Charlotte from Fayetteville, North Carolina, so a military town. And I couldn't wait to leave Fayetteville. And when I went to Charlotte, this big city, I moved in with my uncle and I had to commute. You know, I was gonna go to UNC Charlotte and I did for about a semester. And this period when I had sort of not that, the reins were loose. I was able to, you know, hang out, party, do, do all the things. And when I didn't have that structure from my mom, who would like very, I'd say for the most part, pretty rigid on the rules and regulations, like when to be home and whatever. So I went a little bit wild. I think a little bit is probably an understatement. 
I surrounded myself with people, probably not ideal citizens, people I won't associate with today <laughs> and, you know, got involved. So sure, I did the drinking, but I think what took me down really hard and really fast was drugs and in particular mm -hmm. opiates. So mm -hmm. I took opiates, uh, dabbled like occasionally in late high school, which is crazy to even say as it's coming yeah. out of my mouth, I took opiates in high school. Yeah. Nuts. But you in all honesty, I did. It, it was more common than like, Probably. this is something people don't typically talk about, which is why I, I truly commend you for being willing to share this because I was in high school during 2003 and 2004. And for anyone who has kind of heard about the, the world of Oxycontin and yeah. how that really jump-started the epidemic that has become uh, a huge crisis at this stage with regard to heroin and opiates, opioids. Um, this was a huge thing. So there were many people in high school that were popping pills or exploring with different things uh, at that time where unfortunately it was becoming normalized to a degree mm. as just a, a cool thing to do to party. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's what I did. I, and so, you know, I liked the high. I enjoyed it. It felt good. I relaxed me. I'm a like intense type A type person. And so it kind of chilled me out a little bit, but not too much. Mm -hmm. So I took it when I could. Then I found a way to order it online. And this is oh, in wow. four, like three, four era. Don't quote me on dates, but that right after high school. So I'm living in Charlotte. I'm going to class. I'm, I figure out how to order it online. So I'm not just getting it from people. Mm. That's where an abundance when you have this like addictive type personality where, you, you know, you know, if one is good, four is better. And that's yeah, how it was, you know, like to the extreme. And I, I exhibited that these qualities like through in many ways. And let's, I want to circle back to why, how that can be a benefit later, how these you know, people who are kind of the all or nothing or really intense can channel that and to do a lot of great things. Um, but for me, when I had, you know, this box of all these pills, I took them like skills. Mm -hmm. And from nodding out to, you know, and I was taking benzos, which are like your Valium, Xanax type stuff. Yeah. Um, not, not the best moves in my life. And so my uncle and his wife, my aunt, kicked me out because I was, they had children. I was a bad influence mm. on their kids. And, you know, I was not doing well in school. I was flunking out in my first semester. And mind you, I did fairly good and decent in high school. It was when I was let loose and had no cage. Uh, right. I could do whatever for the most part. No and structure, I was, routine. I did not handle freedom very well. I was very immature when it comes to that. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I, I, when I was kicked out, I was homeless. And it was this brief period where, you know, I'm, I'm feeling bad for myself. And that's when I decide to go into the woods with friends for a party and like, boo-hoo, you know, poor me. Yeah. And there was drinking and drugs going on. And this led to an overdose, an unintentional mm. overdose. Mm. And my friends left me after they thought I passed out, but <sighs> I was still in my car. So remember it, I was in a, like a lake outside of Charlotte, like a, a rural area. And then apparently a lady had found that I'd aspirated on my own vomit. So mm. when I passed out, I threw up, my hands were blue, lady finds me, thank goodness. And then that's what saves me. She rushes me. They call, she calls the ambulance. They rush me to the hospital. Oh my gosh. At the hospital, like my family, it's, you know, gets a call and yeah. you know, stomach and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, pretty. You almost. You almost yeah. died. I mean, definitely, definitely that, that is a life altering moment right there. Right. And so that was like, wow, a little bit of a wake up call. Mm. And that led me to then go to a treatment center. And I wish yeah. I could say I went one time and then things were great. 
but that's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's not how it works. As you know, even in 20, 2000, what, eight, nine, whatever, from the Mm -hmm. first story where I'm drinking heavily, that, um, that's not the path I took. Um, I will give you guys the cliff notes from here to the next. Basically I struggled, but I, I, I battled back and forth, like in and out of different like treatment centers. I went to, um, NA and AA 12 step recovery programs. And there was a point around 2005 where I really, right after another experience of a near death experience where I called the ambulance on myself, this was like a very, very scary, um, I was just not in my right mind guys. I was Mm. not in my right mind. I drank a bottle of cough syrup because I knew like I couldn't get anything else. Yeah. And so I just wanted to escape and get yeah, high. Yeah. And so I knew that if you drank this type of golf syrup, enough of it, it would do the trick at least yeah. sort of, but I drank way too much and I thought I was losing my mind. And so I went to a psych ward for a few days to like dry out, not detox, but the psych ward, because anyone who do, does this under their own will, they, you know, Oh like, yeah. Well, yeah. Clinically, yeah, we're yeah. looking more at the SI factor going on that is suicidal ideation and oh, gotcha, gotcha. All that. yes. And yeah. I was like, guys, I'm not trying to take myself out. I just really wanted to like have one more go out exactly. with a bang, not like on life, go out with a bang, like get oh, really yeah. up. Basically. Yeah, one last all the time. Hurrah. Yeah, yeah. Basically. I was like, this is my last time this time. And I yes. wanted to be the highest I've ever, you know, and all I have is cough syrup. So let me, I think I drank two bottles or something. It's nuts. Oh, Basically, I thought I broke my brain because this stuff is a disassociative. Uh, you know, I found found out this dextromethorphan is like not fun stuff. And I thought- Small <laughs> understatement. Small, yeah. like, <laughs> just a small <laughs> understatement. I would like to underline that. <laughs> no, like I do not read, but this stuff is not- not nice and yeah in the amounts I consumed it was you know dangerous dangerous yeah life-threatening so I mean like that is that's pretty tremendous so you've been in and out of places at that point go ahead I'm sorry yeah no no so um you know I'm in um by the way at this same hospital I won't give the name later I was in tech I'll flash forward real quick. (laughs) And I implemented software after I got the job and like things started turning up. Yes. I implemented software at the same facility and I wonder, it felt weird to be like dressed on the other side. And I was like, this is so messed up. If they look me up in this place, that would be a violation. (laughs) Yeah. HIPAA violation, but like, they're going to tell, like, I felt some wow. shame in that, you know, yeah. going back, but anyways. Wow. But also cool like, talk. what a, what a nice story to be able to overcome and like come full circle in that same yeah. moment to say, yes, I came here in my down moment. And also I'm back now I'm helping you. So like, that's a. Right. Like I actually have a job and I'm doing things. Yeah. yeah I'm doing the thing. Yeah. Wow. So, awesome. um, that was like my last moment. And then and that was around 2005. And from then on, I sort of got my act together. I've been to a few treatment centers. I been to the psych ward. And after that psych ward experience, I really got very involved in um, AA. I chose AA just because I like the people, like I found a sponsor in AA. And sure. so I just like where the meetings were and whatever, you know, they yeah. both can do the trick, Absolutely. but that worked got, for you. got plugged in and I stayed clean and sober for some time. It was later in college that I, I remember a breakup and I decided to drink Mm. and experiment and see. And for the most part, I would say like, yes, I got hammered. Yes. I went above and beyond, but like for the most part, I sort of had it under wraps to a degree. And I felt like, oh, I have this control a little bit. Fast forward now, I actually, today, present day, not, um, which is cool. But that's like a new thing. I drank and didn't do drugs for some, some time. 
Right. I just want to give that piece up. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, and that's just that I, I feel like there's, there could be a whole nother episode in this topic here, but just this idea of you can't have fun if you're sober is complete mm. bullshit. It's complete yes. bullshit. And I feel like we really need to smash that stereotype in acting like you can't have a fun life or fulfilling life if you don't drink just because there's, you know, there's just so much, uh, glorification around like, yeah partying and being on the beach and having a good time and that's how you get friends or the hot girls and whatever and it's just hello you are living proof that you don't you don't have to live like that in order to be any version of successful you are happily involved with someone you have a great career i mean so that's where i whenever we fast forward and look at the fact that you kind of, for all intents and purposes, are living the American dream. <laughs> and I mean, I'm definitely very grateful. <laughs> uh, shouldn't be here, uh, but I am here. So I'm glad to be here. And it's right. And so let's kind of let's move on to a second uh, period of time in your life, which was in 2011, uh, which. Uh, so I just graduated. Yeah. So, which is amazing because huge, like, which, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, let's not minimize that. Right. You chose to go to school and go even, back to school because yeah. I withdrew when I first had my first overdose, I was able to medically withdraw. I was failing. Mm. That would have been bad for my GPA. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. GPA doesn't really mean much, but at the time, like when, you know, it does mean something for your first job a little bit. Right. So I got a medical withdrawal, which was good. But when I went to UNC Greensboro in 2006, I had to like get letters of recommendation and yeah. you know, this, that, and the other, and, and show. Cause I had some like misdemeanors and things like that, like not a bunch of bad things happened in my, in my dark days. Sure. And I had to prove like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. And it was hard because there wasn't much time. Then I went to school, got, went through, graduated in 2011. So it took me five years because I, I worked a little bit and just mm -hmm. took me five years. That's it what happened. It doesn't matter how it long takes it takes. How long it takes. Did it. <laughs> yeah. Five years. And I got a, um, the degree was business, but information systems management. So I found out kind of like I'm a tech nerd at heart. I wanted to be in tech, but I don't want to write code. So I got a job at a startup. And this same startup is where later in like 2013, <laughs> I'm, I'm implementing back in where I was in a psych ward earlier. Um, so I'm, I'm working the job. I get the apartment. I get the stuff and I put it in the apartment. Mm. I buy a car. I buy, uh, like I had always had a, you know, I was one of those, I, I worked and paid for all my cars, paid my insurance, put the gasoline in it. I worked hard for everything that I had. So I got a car yeah. that was $20,000. And I was like, yeah. wow, so nice. And, you know, I had the job, but I didn't quite feel fulfilled. Like inside something mm -hmm. was missing. Mm -hmm. And I was playing baseball as an adult, like in an adult league. And that was fun on the weekends. And I found hiking yeah. in nature and outdoors. And I really, really like, was like wow there's so much to explore even in our state so I was going on these trips and I planned a hiking trip with some friends and this is where I have near-death experience maybe number two or three or who's counting yeah right yeah and, and this time this is me it's three it's three <laughs> like I'm counting <laughs> I'm nervous for you good grief but this story does not include drugs or alcohol. No, this is, this is like, if you're going to have a near death experience, I think this is probably, this is well, probably actually, good. no, I, we should put a disclaimer, like <laughs> do not try this at home. Yeah. Um, do not try this at home, please. Okay. So a friend of mine, I am a personal trainer at this point And as well, like I did that through college instead of, I did the waiting tables pivoted to personal training. And it allowed me to go to class and like have clients. And I love the fitness. I got really involved in exercise. And so one of my clients was almost like a little brother to me. He was a super mm. cool kid. He was like 18 years old and I'm 20 something. <clears throat> and, and I was like his mentor. 
he has a plane. His dad has a plane, but he's getting his pilot's license. So oh we go gosh. fly. So we go fly. I'm like, heck yes, yeah, so let's go fly. So Amber's fly anxiety out. is like through the roof right now. <laughs> Just like I, you got into a plane with an 18 year old with this pilot. He was uh, what is sure. He? he had a driver's he license for about two years prior to that. <laughs> <clears throat> he was VFR, meaning he could fly like long as it's clear out. And, yeah. and so we're flying, we go around Pilot Mountain, and along the way we see like hanging rock. And these are the closest things near Greensboro that are beautiful, like rocky places where you can go hike without going all the way to the mountains if you're not familiar with North Valley. But so we go, they're like, we're like, wow, we should go hiking here. And we're filming it. And so we get the bright idea to go hiking, but not take the trail. And so later we plan a trip with my friends. We go to the Hanging Rock State Park area. And yeah, we park one car at one spot, park another car, the actual parking lot, and then like oh jump all and cram in the car, drive back to car A. And then our goal is to go from point A to point B, but try not to use the trail. It's live and learn, baby, live and learn. <laughs> So we're like, we're, it's like a military style hike, off-roading, we called it. So it was fun because we're like going through the woods, blazing our own trail. Mm -hmm. We get to the top of like Hanging Rock, but we have to sort of go down sometimes to keep going. And so at one of these points, I'm going down and I take the more aggressive, dangerous route down. So I'm hanging on. Yeah, why not? I do the thing. Yeah, made it this far. So I'm why the hell not hanging and I realize that there's no area. I've got two hands on a rock and there's nowhere to put my my feet. So I'm sort of dangling. That's not good. So I off of a cliff, guys. Off of a cliff. Yeah. Mitch is saying he's but hanging like, off of a cliff. <laughs> okay, guys, don't picture a hundred foot drop off, like a twenty-ish foot drop. Okay. Far, that's far enough. Still gonna hurt. You yeah. realize some people die from that distance, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I know. And <laughs> then, then I, um, I realized, well, I need to put my feet somewhere I can't. So I reach over with my left hand to grab this other rock. That rock immediately breaks. And when the rock breaks, I tumble and I fall about 20 ish feet. And I did have, we were filming it with a GoPro. So it's like a GoPro Hero 2. I think the 10 is out now. So it gives you some context of like, it was like really cool to film your adventures with a GoPro at this point. Cause uh, yeah, it's still really cool. It's, yeah. Especially whenever it's a near death experience, apparently yeah. that gets caught on right. camera. Of course. Um, so Holy mackerel. yeah, I caught, captured it and put it on the internet and, and you know, some, some shows had like picked it up. World's um, world's dumbest thrill seekers. In time. <laughs> Is and that on your resume? Comedians, <laughs> yeah. comedians make fun of me. They told me they would. They they paid me a couple thousand dollars to make fun of me and to use the footage for the yeah, show. Sure. I was like, heck yeah! And then another like travel channel ran it. Wind vacations attack, and that one wasn't comedy. That was like our life altering experience, you know, produced, yes, produced, yes. right. We did reenactments. It was actually fun. My friends all went back and we like pretended they're like, all right, they're filming. <laughs> me. They're like, all right, you just fell. Like I have the same outfit on the GoPro on my head. And they're like, you just fell, let out a cry. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> and then I'm busting oh out gosh. laughing because, but, um, good times all around. I'm glad I thought I, backing up i thought i was going to die when i fell yeah in this video it was very scary i did for a moment have that flash in between my eyes and all that stuff i didn't want to die it's too soon yeah i made it yeah. this far uh, right and wasn't your time my friend another wake-up call like holy crap like life is short granted mm. maybe i should have done things like hang off a cliff like lesson learned but but um, but I, 
I don't know. So I'm I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you want a thrill, I'm actually participating with the Eastern chapter of Make-A-Wish to do a hike from um, Hanging Rock to Pilot Mountain in May. Like, (laughs) it's a marathon hike in a day and we go off trail, but we don't boulder. Like, (laughs) you can have a little bit of a thrill, um, but it's funny. Yeah, it's a good speed to stay at. (laughs) Yes, but I would argue at least this particular experience in 2011 really kind of was another piece in your story that jump-started you to where you are today. I would say that that it was like the culmination of the drugs, the near-death experience, the the Mm. cliff fall, and the, you know, working and, you know, I got the job, like after pulling, you know, grabbing my, like, what do you call it? Grabbing your bootstraps and what's the job? Um, and, and like persevering, rising from the ashes, whatever you want to call it. And then still not feeling satisfied. Yes. And so I started to really find that adventure. It was calling me. Yes. Sort of where I got pulled to travel a little bit in the, the right. high school, little taste of that. And I found yep. myself having a lot of enjoyment looking forward to the weekends and of course who doesn't but I just wanted to see and do new things so I started I got scuba certified I before got, you before yes. you dive into the Dominican aspect of things I just I just want to say this is like touching right on the heels of a more recent episode that we did that is about the fact that people want to they, they feel like they just have to work nine to five Monday through Friday and you're yes. working to live on the weekends and you are hitting every, like hearing what you're saying is exactly what we had just finished talking about in a previous episode, which is this idea that we are working to live for like 48 to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so right. as I hear you talk about this and when we spoke beforehand to really kind of hone in on some of the, the timeline, I really couldn't help but to keep what kept entering my mind is is the movie Fight Club. Do you remember that movie? And Tyler Durden. I kept thinking about Tyler Durden. Yes, because he in in this movie at the beginning, he's like got he's got the job and he's got his apartment full of all his stuff. And um whenever he says like you are you are not the car that you drive you are not the contents in your wallet and and i feel like you were having your tyler durden moment uh, in combination with these near-death experiences of just like something's not working it's time it's time to kind of like press the reset button or at least take some space yeah. and figure out what what do i need to do next so it sounds like that's sort of what brought you to where you were going in this story now with the uh the scuba diving and the dr yeah, yeah, that that's so true, so true. Not to say I didn't appreciate my job. I mean, I earned it. I was sure. great. Could have been. I just felt you were missing something. I was missing something, and I didn't know what it was. And I actually didn't quite find it by traveling. It's funny that like, yeah, wherever you go, there you are. Like, you know, Eat, pray, love, baby. Eat, pray, yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, what other thing. cliches can we throw yeah. in here? Right. Oh <laughs> We're getting a little, uh, yeah, definitely. And I went to Bali too, which is funny. Oh, but, of course, uh, there, there you have. Of it. course. <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel compelled for something, and I was like. The stars were aligning and pulling me in one direction. I got the scuba certification. I really, I, I planned a trip with multiple friends and we would go on these trips. And there was, um, you know, a Puerto Rico trip with friends that we went diving, a Cozumel trip where we went diving and had fun. And, you know, at this point, like I'm, I'm, I'm like on my drugs and alcohol spectrum. I'm not doing drugs, but I'm drinking, I would say fairly recreationally. Um, and you know, I still wanted more. So I planned a trip at, um, in the Dominican Republic in 2016. And in my mind, I was like, I don't want to plan this because for work now I had switched from the startup to a fortune six company. So it was a very big health insurance company. And, um, yeah, like again, the same thing. Like it was a great job, it was the best paying job. It had the nicest office, it had all that, you know, all the mm-hmm. things. But 
I still. When I feel like I'm coming back to like, this is the stereotypical American dream, right? You yeah. have the things, you have the flashy right. job, but yeah. you're not fulfilled and you're not happy. And like, that's the piece that yeah. it gets all the glory because you have the stuff in your wallet and you have the shiny car and whatever. But yeah. if it's not filling your soul, then it's not worthwhile. Right, right. And so this is around this time. I also feel like I was reading Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week. And that was like, you know, that's my, right. My Bible, like I'm reading these stories yes. and, you know, while it's dated in some of the websites that he gets to sort of outsource your life, the, some of the principles and thought, like I really aligned with what he was saying. And that was another catalyst and like, wow, I don't want to be, he references the fat guy in the red BMW. Yeah. And I really was like, yeah, like I saw my trajectory is going from 75K to 100K to 120K to 150K, saw my responsibility and management of more and more people going up, saw my stress level go up to just then buy a bigger house, buy a nicer car and all these things. That's and, right. you know, I was like, man, I really want to see the world. So <laughs> I booked this trip. I'm a planner. I was a project analyst and, you know, planned controlled a lot of like details. So I decided to do the opposite with this trip. And this was what like was very freeing. So I booked one night in an Airbnb that was $20 in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. <laughs> the lady was there, the, the owner of it was super cool. And I then, I had a great time. I said, I will can I stay a few more days? I don't know how long she's like, as long as we don't rent it, you can rent for me and it'll save us some both some money. So I'm like, oh, I just feel I saved two bucks tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and so you well, being the planner project analyst, by the way, Amber is a project. She's a worldwide project manager for a big company. So you guys share many similarities. <laughs> so I'm like, as I'm hearing you say this, I'm like, I I can feel your anxiety through the screen, Amber. Like, I mean, just... it's fine. I know it's fine because he's here. So I'm going to go back to my, it's he's fine. Everything's alive. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but yes. So you decided is... to go out of your comfort zone and, and you decided not to plan. Go, go to the I'm DR prepared. and see what happens. And I, I met like, I met a guy and he was like, oh, I'll show you around and have dinner. And then he was like, you should go up here to Cabarete. There's a bunch of expats there. So I went there on a bus and then I met this guy who was on Ninja Warrior and his girlfriend and hung out with people that are just strangers. And then I was, they were, someone there was like, you should go rent a bike and ride to the jungle in the Northeast and it's stay like a motorcycle a or a bicycle, a motorcycle, it's like, like a, a small <laughs> motorcycle, like a 50 CC, you know, okay. little okay. bike. Kind of like a moped. I'm just, I'm just trying to assess. <laughs> I'm just, listen, I know that you're not risk adverse. So I'm just trying to understand like, what was the risk in this? Got there was, it. well, we had to strap my luggage to the back. <laughs> <laughs> my rolling suitcase luggage and we strapped it to the back with their old rubber intertube so we cut that and then strapped it on the back it was, was like, like a good time so was, let me tell was, you the project manager in me is assessing the risk level of your trip right now yeah. and just like internally freaking out and losing yeah. my mind but also <laughs> the other side of my brain is like hell yeah like that's awesome that yeah. you had the presence of mind to just be like you know what I'm going to go do the thing, no matter how scary it is, no matter how like uncertain and, you know, yeah. yes, I'm going to listen to this person and get on this bike and go to the jungle. Like they were like, you can't miss it. And I did get lost in my Spanish is, you know, not the best. and <laughs> I was in some areas that were, were, where English was not prevalent and I had no mm -hmm. signal and, you know, navigating wasn't really a thing, but I figured it out. Like I figured yeah. it out. I made my way to this treehouse village area in the jungle. And it was super cool. It was very exciting. Um, had an amazing time and met friends. But the long story short of this whole Dominican Republic trip is this unplanned, unexpected journey, I call it, was the catalyst to like, okay, 
what do I need to do to continue doing something like this? Yes. This feels for the first time, maybe it's not just the adventure and the excitement, but maybe it is. I don't know what it is, but I feel like Mm -hmm. I want more of this. Yes. I've almost died multiple times. I know going to the office on Monday and working through this next product release is not, it's cool. It's a challenge, but like, I want it more. And I think when you've almost lost everything a few times, it it, Mm -hmm. it feeds you up to be open to like taking a little bit of a calculated risk. So I created a plan and this is where the planner in me is. It's smart to plan. So I saved like 40 ish thousand dollars. Holy cow. And I quit my job in November, 2017. That's when I sold the car. So some of the extra proceeds from the car went to this, this um, money. I didn't want to stress in the Philippines or wherever I was going to be. So I, I, I felt like, and I knew I wasn't going to make money. So I decided to quit my job and I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to do for funds right away, but I thought, well, I can make websites. I can take pictures. Instagram is popping off. It's like 2017, right? Yeah. It's like two or three years into Instagram's peak. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I can write blogs, but, but video. So I was a, there was a lure of video. So I bought a video camera before I traveled. Well, plus I, you had been interested a little bit in the video thing beforehand with especially that cliff situation. I mean, yeah, like tiny, like, I have, I've later, my cousin in Canada like showed my first vlog using air quotes here, vlog that was um, <laughs> like me with like a big Sony Handycam with a full on VCR tape in That's there, awesome. like run around just filming people at a family reunion. See, you were so, destined for this. You were destined for so. this. I guess so. I love it. And so I bought a video camera. I didn't know how to use it. And this is where I should have probably made videos, research how to make videos, but because I'm analytical and detailed, I knew all about the bit rates and the 4k 60. And, you know, the, I bought the best camera I could afford. And Mm -hmm. I knew like all of the ins and outs of it, but I didn't know how to actually make a video. So, so I was going to outsource that piece in a way. And I had a buddy through Instagram that was going to meet me when I quit my job and we were going to travel together and his name oh, was cool. Paul. And so he was from Argentina and he was like my social media friend who also had this dream to travel the world. Mm-hmm. So he was a photographer and my thought was his rollover from photo to video would be seamless. Sure. I would be the PM, the, 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 the guy doing the, the logistics planning, the, you know, chasing the stories and you hold the camera and you edit it. And I, I'll do all the other backend stuff, all the, the detailed stuff. And so we had a plan. So we, we both went to the Philippines and this is where. Like, you both went to the Philippines. Oh, wait, yes. did he meet, he met up with you there. He did end up he going with me actually in Raleigh. And then we flew to gotcha. you know, with me a couple of weeks. And, um, well, he, he made it through, he lasted three weeks in, in the Philippines, uh, Photo was his passion, not video. Yeah. Video making is very hard. I realized that really quick. He realized wow. that really quick. It was, um, wow. It was stressful, like editing in a, you know, hostel, um, you know, with crappy Wi Fi. Sure. I mean, but think about this for, for our listeners to think about this piece is that you've quit your job, you have your savings, you've met up with, you've decided I'm going to partner up with this guy, go off to the Philippines, and we are going to do this thing and see what happens. Right. And and then you get there, you're there for three weeks and your partner bails and yet you're still there. (laughs) So I almost quit here. So this is when I called, um, I think many people would probably be in that. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a valid option, but it does seem like a valid option. Yeah. I felt very alone at this point. I felt like I risked a lot and went out there and then you you had, and I respect his decision that was not for him. And I appreciate him recognizing that it was, 
it was hard. And so mm. at that point, I had no choice. And this is a very important thing. I had no choice but to learn how to do video at the shooting and editing solo. And I didn't know. One man show. The one, one man band, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea how to do it, but I tried and I learned and I failed a hundred times. And mm-hmm. I eventually got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And then, you know, I went to different countries and I like made videos. I tried different styles of video making and eventually it distorted, started to click. And mm-hmm. I had a video that went viral. Um, and it was a video about the highest tides in the world in Canada. And I was staying with my cousin and, you know, she took me to... <laughs> to the highest tides in the world. I made a video about it. And then someone saw it, who is a very prevalent video maker on Facebook at the time. And his name is yes. Nas Daily. So Nas Daily, his, yes. Yeah, Nas Daily, if you look him up on, on Facebook, right. YouTube, anywhere, you'll see him. But he was like the Facebook, like at the time he didn't have a YouTube, he was only Facebook. Mm-hmm. And strategically, I liked this because mm. I felt like, there's a lot of content on fa- or YouTube, but mm-hmm. a lot less on Facebook. And I saw Facebook had this share button and I saw that what he was doing. So I was like, hmm, let me go that route too. And I was able to get a video to go viral. He saw it. And later he becomes like a mentor and sort of helps coach me along the way. And we work together on many different projects and we're friends today. I'm going to go to a conference in Dubai in a couple of weeks and speak there. No big deal. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, cool. like <laughs> casually going yeah. to Dubai, gonna be a speaker at a conference. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I see that's you, boy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that is sort of the if we're going completely linear, that's sort of what brought me in throughout that whole whole journey of of like figuring out where I wanted to go in life and yeah. creating the the schedule like I can control you know this is from the four-hour work week the more um w's you can control in your life the richer you are so where Mm -hmm. you work so location what Mm -hmm. you work on I can make videos I can make vlogs I can make this type of video or whatever and then uh where you work what you work on and who you is it who you work with like what clients oh what yeah I believe believe think it's okay don't quote us on that either way i read that book in forever (laughs) well either way he's changed your life and he was a huge factor of inspiration so noted (laughs) yeah i mean it's true though and you really crafted a lifestyle that worked with you in that sense in terms of your four-hour work week although i'm pretty sure you worked a heck of a lot more than four hours a whole lot more (laughs) if i knew what was ahead of me when i started i don't know I think ignorance is bliss is good yes. in this case. If you're going to do a startup yeah. or whatever, if you, if I would have told you the amount of stress, like the failures, the pivots, because I'm skirting by the, the amount of pivoting I've done in my content creation journey. Like it took a lot of time to find, you know, this is why having that 40 K saved my butt. Because if I didn't, I would have gone broke and gotten a job right. like very quickly. Yep. You know, and it's very hard to be a full-time, I mean, people do it all the time. So if you're wanting to do this, go for it. But it is hard to be a full-time content creator with a full-time job. It is scripting, story picking, scripting, shooting, editing, publishing takes a lot of time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially doing it in in a window of time that captivate, that captures your audience their attention span long enough to stay and watch the video so that it is, yeah. you know, hitting the, the time limits needed or what have you. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that I, your average person is not, they're not thinking about that stuff. We're just looking at, we're just scrolling through social media. Oh, there's a lot. That you way. make it look so easy, Mitch. You do. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you really do. Uh, I do so want to I- circle back. Oh, I'm sorry, Lindsay. Do you? It's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have a feeling. I was just going to say, since, um, since we're talking about that, you did mention that you wanted to share a little of your thoughts and kind of those golden nuggets on if someone wants to get into this, like what the key things are. And I think you already shared one and that's having a savings 
and not like going into it without that I would first say actually yes sort of but that's that's like a a big leap and while that works for some probably is a bad idea for me so how I would say is first and foremost if you want to make videos or create content right I would say first find the type of content that you feel compelled and to do that I always tell people this what videos do you watch what mm. magazines do you read? What blogs do you read? If you're reading um, Architecture Digest and watching YouTubes about people doing house tours, luxury house tours, then maybe that's your niche. If you're you know, doing how-to videos, I think that the content, like it's one thing to say, I want to make videos, but what about? Because yeah. it's like when I was in tech, I couldn't be in tech just being in tech. I need to be in tech in something that I actually liked That's a little right, bit because yes. otherwise it's going to get, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. So, so first try to find your niche and to do that, it's like, well, what content are you consuming already and where? And, and then maybe start with that. Do you want to be a motivational speaker? Are you listening to Tony Robbins or whatever? Then maybe you want to do that route, but first fix yourself first before you try to, you know. <laughs> well, yes, well, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was really interested in amazing people, places, and things. And I know that sounds really, you know, that's the whole gamut, but I was like, a really cool person or this kick-ass place. And those are some of my favorite videos. And, yeah. um, and, and so that allowed them. me to, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, so your that, audience loves them. that because they can see it, right. Mm-hmm. They can see it. It's authentic. And so I sort of found that, and that's what I would encourage someone to do more so than just save a 40 K quit your job and go travel that's, the world. Right. What, maybe make some videos about things that you're passionate about remotely first, Right. learn how to shoot, produce, script, edit, the whole publish, and then see, and don't go into it for the money. That would be my, another like pro tip. Don't go into it for the money. Keep your day job, do it, make the videos, commit to do once every other week or something very manageable. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesday, no matter what, or for example, Yep. Tuesday, no matter what, every other week, I'm going to do that, which means that when I publish on Tuesday, I have the rest of the week to think about a topic for my next week. Then I can start scripting early next week. And then I can shoot, you know, by this week and then that turn around and by the weekend, Mm -hmm. I finish my head. And then you still can live your life and not be stressed and still do it. And then you can always- That's a very hot project management approach to um, setting that up. I just like- (laughs) You 100% used your background, your history, your experience work-wise to be able to do that. And it like, that made my heart and my brain sing. So thank you. I appreciate that. Deadlines (laughs) are so key to get shit done. You want to get shit done. You need a deadline. Um, However, you can die by the deadline if it's so stressful. So for me, like putting four videos out a week is going to ruin my life. Whereas yeah. three is more manageable, then maybe I should just give up that potential income from that fourth video and gain some of my back. Like what gain some of my life back? What's the yes. opportunity cost of doing more? Cause yes, yes you always create more content to try to make more money or grow your stuff. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, are, are you sane? And so, yes, yeah, I'm speaking <laughs> like, this is like daggers in me because like, this is stuff I struggle with too, is like, oh, I want to push four videos out per week because four is better than two, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I do two. But then I look at when I was barely pushing one out a week. So that's right. That's right. And that goes back to that all or nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lindsay. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. This goes back to the all or nothing statement that you were making at the beginning of the show. And I was wondering if you had any other... Um, tidbits that you wanted to say around that? Because you said, don't let me forget at the very end, I want to comment on something about mm. that. Um, well, if if you're the all or nothing type person, you're very extreme, very committed. If you're the like, come hell or high water, I'm going to get this done. Or if you've been able to rise out of the ashes, then you've been beaten down over and over and over again. I think a lot of entrepreneurs share this trait. It's almost like... It, 
correct. Forgive me if this is offensive, but I, I think it's almost like an entrepreneur has to be a little bit stupid because we fail so damn much. <laughs> we keep going, we keep going hey, to right? Mitch, I take this as a compliment. All right. Okay. Listen, okay. Yes. all right. So, I got to so be like, a little stupid and crazy to go out on my own and try things and fail, then get up and try again. That's just how you learn. Exactly. exactly. So you can use this in your benefit to your benefit later, yeah. you know, when you're, I mean, for video making, you need to make a hundred videos before you really are going to have a hit. Like, I mean, realistically there's mm -hmm. outliers there, but people just don't go viral on their first video. TikTok's sort right. of that, that space, but like, ultimately, like, I mean, not to belittle a TikToker because there's definitely a business, but like dancing to the craziest trends trend song isn't going to yeah. add value in your portfolio right. in the grand scheme of life. Whereas if you're a very good storyteller, there's value that brands and stuff, there's money to be made. There's a business in that. So yeah, we, we get it. I mean, we're only on month three of having a podcast. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're very, very new to this game, but absolutely, absolutely always ready to learn and have people like yourself on where we can kind of keep growing and, and expanding our knowledge base on these things. Cause it's wonderful to hear other people's stories and how even through everything that you've been through, you've overcome a lot and you've now mm -hmm. created your your Tim Ferriss lifestyle that seems to be working well for you. And that's a beautiful thing. You did it. Well, it doesn't you're mean you're doing done it. growing. It doesn't yeah, mean I was going to say you're doing it. it. Yeah. It doesn't mean <laughs> you're done growing. It's still in progress because now it's about like, there's another chapter. There's an, you know, yeah. now I'm sort of almost revisiting yeah. that feeling of like what's now potentially I'm not stressed, but there's fear of losing it. Of I'm working with my therapist on this. So like all of a sudden you don't make money for a while, you're pretty mm -hmm. poor, but then you start to do better financially. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, man, but what if this goes away? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I mean, I diversify my, you know, like not make all, you know, this money, I need to have multiple platforms bringing in a ton of money because if this one goes away, then I'm screwed. Sure. And there's other stress. And then now I can fill my apartment with things and I can buy a nice car and I can do all those things. So it's like, well, really, where did I get the most satisfaction? And to me, that yes. was the, and I wrote this down. So this is also important. I think I wrote down, I journaled what I really like, what's my why? Mm -hmm. And I know it's very cliche, but like, well, you know, what do I get out of this? And I like really enjoy meeting wonderful people and sharing their stories. I get to be creative as well. So it's like creativity, meeting kick-ass people and telling the story. And then of course, if I can impact someone along the way, it's very, very, very exciting. And I've been able to meet the man in the iron lung, a guy mm -hmm. who bought a rusty oil platform in the middle of the ocean and turned it into the world's most dangerous hotel to, yeah, that, that's like, crazy. you know, uh, to these <laughs> entrepreneurs in Mexico who created vegan leather, which is not leather, it's actually cactus leather, but they created this cactus leather that's being put in Mercedes and BMW and H and M and all these brands are doing crazy stuff with it. And it's like, yeah, I met those people and told their story. That's fun. Yeah. That's exciting. And that's really where the satisfaction comes from. Yeah. And then, you know, getting people to be like, oh, I like this. That's cool too. So it's not about the, the, the TV or the car that you drive. That stuff doesn't yeah. really fill the whole. Well, it's your impact and it's your, your ability to enjoy what you're doing while you're making an impact on the world around you. Like that's, Right. That's the essence of living. Yeah, like that's it. We, we all have that in common. I can say that with great yeah. confidence for sure. So Mitch, it has been absolutely awesome to have you join us today. This has been so nice. Thank you so much for just creating some time today to, to sort through all the things. Um, I'm wondering if you would like to just kind of share one thing that you would like our audience to walk away from, one key thing mm. that you would want our audience to walk away from in this episode. Mm. There's a there's, knowing, believing, uh, anything like that. Um, 
I would say that if like, you don't need to have a near death experience to like really restart your life. So mm. you have, um, you can, you can start your day over and your life over at any point. I think we wait for the new years to like start a, a you know, thing. I think those it's that pain that really can motivate us and light a fire under our butts to like really make a change. But yeah. maybe you're the type of person who can just say, you know, this isn't working and I want to make a change. So let me go for that now. So don't be afraid to do it. And then don't be afraid to pivot and pivot and pivot and pivot again, because I mean, it's all temporary. That's know? right. Yeah. It's your like play. To- you get to write the script. Absolutely. I like to call those. uh, So part of what I do for a living is I'm a wellness coach and I like to call those cha-chas. Like, yes, it's a quick little change in whatever's happening. It doesn't make like, it's not a brick wall that you hit because I think sometimes we see those and we make them so huge in our mind and it feels like a failure, but like, it's just a dance move. You're just moving to the beat of the music that has now changed. So you're making a quick adjustment. And I love that because it is important. You know, life is never going to go as we expect, even um, those of us who love to plan, like sometimes things go awry and you have to accommodate it that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But enjoy that, that chaos. That's another yes. thing. Enjoy the chaos of like yes. not having I'm all in on this lesson. <laughs> yeah. I'm working like, on that. <laughs> I am too, because I really like to have control over like the outcomes, but I put too much and this is something I'm working on t- currently is when I can't control the outcome, it's the whole serenity prayer. You know, it's the whole stoic, like mindset of just like putting in the work and then releasing the outcome. Like I can't control your reaction or your outcome. Like that's right. really working on that. Whew, that's hard. I think that's the key. It is, it is really- hard work. I hear you on that. All you can do is control what you say. You cannot control how someone responds no matter what, no matter what it is. So you just have to roll with it. Um, but I do, I, I appreciate that lesson because it is about leaning into the discomfort, being true to yourself, being authentic to yourself and what your soul needs to continue that passion, that drive and kind of what keeps you motivated. Um, one last thing, is there anything that you wanted to share with our audience about whatever you're working on or next steps or anything that you'd like to promote um, before we close out? Um, I mean, you can, you can find my, my videos on Snapchat in search of Mitch Summers. Um, If you're a Snapchatter, um, probably not. I'm guessing by the, I don't know, the audience. I don't know. Hey, don't make judgments here. You don't know. (laughs) Hey, hey, I will tell you what the Fox now has a Snapchat. It's true. Awesome. 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 So Snapchat, uh, or you can find YouTube facebook um and i've been experimenting because of covid i've been doing a lot of remote stories because i couldn't travel as much yeah so you'll see like i my favorite videos are the ones where i'm on the world's most dangerous hotel actually filming but then i've sort of evolved into a journalist not being afraid to pivot and doing remote stories about should we put chips in our brains should we let elon musk put chips in our brains and talk about <laughs> that because i think it's kind of interesting and it's hey. People, so, people are talking about it. So exactly. yeah, so I'm just talking about things that interest me or chasing stories like I love to do and just send me a message, say hello, and I'll see you guys there. That sounds That's good. Awesome. We will be sure to bug you on all of your accounts and we encourage our listeners to follow Mitch Summers on all the platforms he mentioned, but don't forget about us. Make sure you follow what the Fox podcast as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. Right it now. was so fun to hang out with you, Mitch. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story. I do think that we've got a lot of opportunity for future episodes to include you. So I hope that um, we'll be able to get those coming out soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank you, y'all. guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. And we all say everything is going to be just fine. It's going to fall in place. The sun is gonna set on your terrible day